The showdown is coming. The intensification of the opposition to all that is God and his purpose is hated uh, by the adversary. And there's nothing he hates more than anything that either has the witness of Messiah through the ancient testimony of the Jews or Messiah through the living testimony of believers. Despite everything that is happening and has happened around the world, does faith still triumph in the end? Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. It's not just a little slogan, but something every Christian should be committed to as a commandment from God. But what position should we take when standing for Israel? Do we abandon praying for Israel because of our justice concerns? Hi, and welcome to this episode of Inside the Epicenter with Joel Rosenberg, a podcast of the Joshua Fund, a ministry dedicated to blessing Israel and her neighbors in the name of Jesus. I'm Carl Muller, Executive Director of the Joshua Fund, and today we have a very special episode. Today's episode was recorded before Jack Hayford, pastor and leader of the Church on the Way in Los Angeles, California, passed on the 8th of January, 2023. We want to honor his life and work by airing this special episode where Jack Hayford spoke about the events in 1948 and how it affected believers around the world and their perspective of faith. He also talked about his visit to Israel, drawing insights and lessons from his memories and highlighting the importance of praying passionately for Israel, spreading truth and living with conviction. A while back, Joel had the opportunity to interview Pastor Hayford, and we felt especially now we wanted to present this to you. Here's that conversation. What are your recollections of the 1967 war? This was two years before you made your first tour, but watching it while you were teaching a seminary, I believe, mm-hmm. at the time, how did that relate to the 48 experience for you? What were you seeing and what were you sharing with your students? At the time, it, of course, the whole thing was so short that uh, the Six-Day War, uh, you really were not saying anything while it was going on. You were watching television and <laughs> listening to the radio to just keep current with the amazing nature of what was occurring. The mightiness of God's intervening hand in that was something that the Jews themselves, as you're very aware, that they've clearly recognized that there was some divine power, even on Jews that were not practicing people of faith. However liberal, it was very difficult for them not to say, you know, they may even make jokes about it. And I heard, heard them, you know, that it was just, uh, well, the, you know, somebody's on our side kind mm-hmm. of comments because it was so profound of the intervening providence of God's hand in their behalf. And uh, I think that that one thing alone was so startling and stunning, it brought you back to review everything about the last times. Mm -hmm. It was the great later wake-up call following 48. Mm -hmm. And uh, things as they occur today uh, are of another ilk, and they uh, they have, those were exciting times. They're, they're frightening as we come now, mm. uh, not because as believers we're afraid because we know that uh, there's high promise that overrides some of these things, irrespective of even if you hold a pre-trib or post-trib, whatever that debate falls out, there's still a reason that uh, in the end the, the triumph of, uh, of faith is, is there. Not Did your a, students see that? Did they 
did they in sixty seven? Yeah, did they get that? I, I think that for many students that they had only been raised on the excitement, uh, which was now nearly forty years, uh, 20, 20 years old since forty eight. Uh, Jesus is coming soon, and uh, the, the Jews are back. They, 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 you could always bring an update message because of the population increase that was taking place in the land. But uh, when the amazing thing took place, I think it reawakened. It stirred the juices, shall we say, mm-hmm. that uh, we're moving into a whole new era. And, of course, the reunification so. of Jerusalem. Uh, I mean, the, the land expansion was dramatic. The protection against the annihilation was dramatic. But the reunification of Jerusalem really brought it back to what your pastor was starting to talk about yeah. even in it's, 48. It's, yeah, it's the Luke. It's the Luke. It, 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 really, when they came in, and actually, not, not just in the land, but when after 2,300 years that they, they controlled Jerusalem, mind-boggling. Mind-boggling, so that uh, Jerusalem shall be tied down with the Gentiles until, and that's that's that as many interpret. You've entered the last generation. Mm-hmm. Of course, we all know that the word generation is subject to a number of interpretations mm-hmm. chronologically, but uh, irrespective, you've come into <laughs> the very least you're in the last century. <laughs> I don't mean century as we put numbers on them, but you're in the last hundred. You're years. within striking distance. Yeah, yeah, and in fact, of those. When you consider we've gone over a half century past that now, well, that's uh, toward using the 48 date. Uh, we're uh, 67, 77, we're 45. 80, 90, 45. I was born years. in 67. I was born in April oh, is 67, that right? so I, is that right? I can track it for, precisely. My goodness, my goodness. Uh, actually, my, our friend Ann Graham Lotz was born in May 48. So she sort of was watching her own lifespan and thinking, wow, maybe this is really about me and this generation. I mean, not just about her, but... But uh, that generation is very interesting, yeah. One of our missionaries in our fellowship has, from boyhood, uh, been with his father uh, first, was raised in Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. He was born on the minute that in the U.N. they declared Israel mm-hmm. state. Yeah. He was born on the minute. <laughs> and his whole ministry has been in Israel to this day. Interesting. It's wow. amazing. It's very fascinating. You were starting to mention, before we had to change the tape, uh, that you did a major conference in Israel. Have you done... Uh, more than one over the years? Do you, and if so, do you of recall that the, nature? No. Okay, I've, that was, I've spoken at a number of conferences in okay. Israel, and uh, some of the most satisfying experiences I've had were uh, participating with a, a blend among the primary leaders, bringing it together. And it just goes back to the fact that Ari Sorkoram, who you very possibly know, he was from our church mm-hmm. and went to Israel and married Shira. And uh, but they brought groups of sizable groups of pastors and, and both Arab uh, believers and Jewish mm-hmm. believers, which was you know, something unique. Yeah. As, but of course, committed uh, Messianic Jews and uh, obviously evangelical, all in their position. Mm-hmm. And I've uh, spoken at a number of conferences like that. We've I've never convened a conference. You had, you had a conference of mm-hmm. your denominational pastors all over the world in Jerusalem. Right. When when was that, and what was that like? It was in '07. And uh, we had, I, I think the the final numbers were somewhere between thirty two, thirty three hundred. Mm. We had representatives from several of our. We had a sizable contingent of uh, of fourscore churches. There's about sixty six thousand churches in the world, in one hundred and forty nations. One of the larger uh, constituencies is in Brazil. And we had, I think, it was forty eight pastors from Brazil. There. Wow. Yeah. From Brazil there, but uh, for were, the most part, it was U.S. And were many of them pastors who had never been before? Oh, yeah. I, I don't know what the percentage was. Mm-hmm. I would uh, say that surely, I, I think more than half mm-hmm. had never been there before. 
of the leaders who were present. When you've spent time there, you said uh, you're heading towards your 41st trip, I think is yeah. what you said. Yeah. What are some of your memories of being there and of your and of the things that you want to convey to younger pastors and younger believers as they're growing up? Uh, insights, uh, what my father would call voza, the voice of sound advice, things that you've seen, that you've observed in Israel that you feel are important to pass on to uh, up-and-coming generations. Well, I think the foremost thing is prayer. That's something we can all do. You don't have to be there. And we do have an assignment in the 122nd Psalm, and it's, it, there, there's no arguing the clarity of the command. Praying for the peace of Jerusalem is not just a little slogan. Because when the Bible says pray for the peace of Jerusalem, it's not talking about pray for the old walled city or for the political Jerusalem, but as the ruling center of Israel and the, the stress point of global politics. It is the powder keg uh, most likely to explode and and, uh, bring us to the ultimate conclusion of things. It is the center of of God's ultimate intentions for rule of this earth. But that's getting ahead of the case right now. The assignment is to pray for a, a, a prevenient grace, a preventative grace of God in the land by there being not some uh, everybody sitting around fanning themselves with a drink in hand and enjoying a Pepsi while you, it's hard to get Pepsi in Israel, you have to get Coke, <laughs> uh, which is a disappointment to me, by the way. But <laughs> to, uh, work on that over time. to <laughs> sit there and to uh, just kind of have a quiet day at the beach at Tel Aviv. Uh, it's a matter of the peace that would be. Uh, the spreading of the peace of God that touches people's lives and changes them, and to pray for the spread of the truth and for the opening, the ongoing opening of the eyes of the beloved people, his ancient people, Israel. God's devotion to them is as great as, as it is to all of us who have come through Messiah unto salvation. So, the first thing is prayer. Uh, the second thing is to uh, live with the conviction. First John chapter 5 says the whole world lies under the sway of the adversary, the manipulation of, of the spirit of the world. That doesn't mean the Lord is not ultimately sovereign beyond all things. But uh, the spirit of the world is, uh, is, the showdown is coming. The intensification of the opposition to all that is God and his purpose is hated uh, by the adversary. And there's nothing he hates more than anything that either has the witness of Messiah through the ancient testimony of the Jews or Messiah through the living testimony of believers, Jew or Gentile, who have come to the Savior. And uh, consequently, in the politics against Jerusalem, against the Jews, against the Jewish state, that are so rampantly eroding any will in most nations of the world, and frighteningly, even in our own presently, is very disturbing. Because the readiness of the nations of the world to rise against Israel, Zechariah chapter 12, 13, 14, that brings the, really the most climactic view, I think, there is in the Bible of things of our present era. You know, you can, if you're going post that into the millennial age and the rapture and beyond, that's another thing. But in our present era, the gathering of the nations against Israel, the Bible says all nations will come against them. That scenario is so frighteningly credible right now, right now. And it's uh, clear that that precipitates a, an explosion globally 
that uh, at the very least will have a dramatic intervention of God to defend uh, Israel. Others see that as the time that will be the revelation of the consummate wrath of God in the revelation prophecies of the outpouring of his wrath. And that uh, my personal conviction, it's just simultaneous to that, the church will be caught away. Because I, I see uh, our witness continuing to bear until we're, we're promised deliverance from the wrath. And I, I see that as a separate terminology from the age-long tribulation that increases in intensity as we come toward the end. As I say, increases in intensity because Jesus uses the terms of a woman in labor mm-hmm. to describe the, the whole of the tribulation period. And uh, so that's a, a view that differs from many, as citing it as seven years. I'm more inclined to think of the wrath of God being a seven-year period that escalates to the ultimate display that uh, uh, conceivably to me plays out in some occasion of the last perhaps seven years of an explosive uh, demonstration of God's delivering Israel and when the wrath of the nations conspires against them. We live in a country that has changed its position, sadly. It's grievous what's happened. The difficulty of, of keeping that separate from a political to a deeply spiritual issue is important to us because it is not just the result of a party or a president's decision. It is a spirit that is permissible in this land today. We need to pray for us as well as Israel. Talk about that a little bit further. Um, again, not from the political perspective, but your view of what has changed or is changing in terms of America's approach towards Israel, our our 64-year running uh, alliance with Israel? First, let me say God loves all peoples. He is not anti-Arab. He is not anti-Palestinian. God loves people. Is there perfect justice being dealt to Palestinians? No. Is there perfect justice being dealt to the Israelis? No. You have a montage of things that collide there, and... uh, it's not going to find a solution because the, the world seeks it on its terms and the church will not be empowered beyond what God is, has delegated the decisions of humanity to what human beings decide to do, essentially. If you want to opt into God's program, there is a pathway through and beyond all this. If you opt for the world's program, it's futile. And that's not said lightly. It's not said with any glee. It's just like when God stick it to them when you do justice. That, that's a heartless attitude. It is without the heart of Christ dying for the sins of the world. When you come to the uh, situation of our times, world politics, there's a, the anti-Semitism is rampant globally. World politics in the UN uh, less and less gives voice to any reason. The only defending voices Uh, of recent years has been uh, the U.S. and Britain. And that has altered, and uh, it has not been crippled as dramatically even in England as in the United States through recent pronunciations and behavioral patterns. When you take the church and the compassion we feel for people who are hungry, where people feel there's injustice, there is so much loss of perspective on Scripture in the name of human justice, that there is an erosion in much of the even evangelical church towards supporting Israel on the basis of the Palestinians' plight. And I'm not unsympathetic toward that plight. I'm not going to say that there's everything is always done justly. But there comes the place that you have to choose between the imperfection 
of human failure among even Israelis in the way they deal with us. I can be sympathetic and supportive of the Palestinians by doing things that will assist people that need help for the hungry, the whatever those things would be. If I take a side that is essentially voting against Israel, you've made a choice that contributes toward the final calamity. And I think it's a compromise. I think pastors need to stand and have their people not lose their heart for Israel because they have a heart for what would be perceived to some degree. It's true. To another degree, it's, it's imbalanced in the way it's presented in Israel, but the, the Palestinian situation. And uh, it's not going to be resolved. It's not easy. And I think the only position we can take is compassion for people and at the same time conviction with regard to standing for Israel and their place of uh, right to the land. Basically, whether politically it is theirs, I need to not lose my passion to pray for them and for the peace of Jerusalem, because that has nothing to do with global politics. It has nothing to do with human justice. It has to do with the Word of God. Are you concerned? It sounds like you are, but talk to me about your concern that the church generally, the American church in particular, can get polarized as I'm either Mm -hmm. 100% pro-Israel or I'm pro-Palestinian, and that, that... how do you see that divide? Do you, I mean, because implied in your what you're saying is that you're concerned that it, people are perceiving this as a as an either or situation. I mainly am concerned that they lose a heart of, for, of praying for things in Israel. I think there exists in much of the evangelical church a disposition uh, that uh, th- there's a harsher way to say it uh, that is the way I feel sometimes because it subjectively disturbs me objectively, as I would like to remain as much as I can on the basis of what I believe in the Scriptures, objectively, I I do believe that it's a sorry thing when you lose the conviction that Israel is worth praying passionately for, Mm -hmm. to see that God is is doing something among His ancient people, and that it's happening, that the center point of it is in Israel. It's fanning out globally. Uh, the spread of Messianic Judaism is taking place amazingly uh, internationally. But it really has so much to do, everything, everything. The, the, <laughs> the, as we always say, the, you know, God's time clock is the, 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 the land, and uh, his center point is uh, the city. And what's going on there? The, the nearness of the readiness to give away Jerusalem, the readiness to lose a heart, of praying for Israel. I, I don't really, I'm deeply, deeply concerned what people's prophetic view is about Israel and the Jews, to not pray for them with passion. They were the avenue by which salvation came to us, by which the scriptures came. You know, the Bible is, uh, is so clear. Read Romans 9, 10, and 11. We've got a timeless assignment to recognize God's doing sovereign things in them that go right up to the end. So much so that Paul, when he captures the picture of it, he says, oh, he's breathtaking. Oh, the wonders. And he goes into this paean of praise and breaks into chapter 12 of the book of Romans, which we often miss that he's continuing to praise when he says, I beg of you, brethren, present yourselves living sacrifices and worship God. Well, when you worship God, you better pray too because it's part of it. And you better pray for Israel because he said, do it. And you better pray for Jerusalem because that's part of a direct statement of pray for the city too. And that has nothing to do with my political opinion. It has nothing to do with sacrificing Concern for a people who feel disenfranchised, and to some degree, 
you cannot escape that the way things took place in some aspects of the 1948 occupation when they came in and things post the Six-Day War and the distribution of the land after that, those things are debatable, but they are not, they're not excusable grounds for us not praying for Israel. But you see a lack of prayerfulness it's, it's, uh, in there's the church. A, an increasing, and it's in the name of, and, and it's a rising younger generation, which worthily, we have a younger generation from in their, their teens and their 20s and 30s that is very, very justice-oriented, very, very concerned about justice issues. That's worthy. <laughs> God invented the idea of justice. Uh, but when you lose perspective on things that, that incorporate the retaining of that value, justice, but do not sacrifice other values that become oblivious to people in the midst of the, all the political strain and hoopla that's going on, uh, that is dominantly in a press that is anti-Israel. Well, good day to you. It's Joel with The King Country dropping in to let you know that our brand new film, Unsung Hero, is in theaters now. It's Luke here. We've teamed up with the creators of Jesus Revolution to bring you this adventure of a lifetime. It's a powerful, true story about a family uniting, growing in their faith, and facing the impossible together. In theaters now, unsunghero.movie for more information. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. This is Carl Muller, Executive Director of the Joshua Fund. Scripture tells us that the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Would you take a moment right now to pray for our staff at the Joshua Fund as they work to bless Israel and her neighbors in the name of Jesus? We're in a battle against the evil one, and your prayers make all the difference. How are some of the ways that you have blessed Israel and how you encourage pastors to bless Israel and uh, in addition to prayer. And what are some of the ways that you've uh, both done and encouraged others to bless uh, Palestinians and, and, and mm-hmm. other neighbors? Well, you know, just in some practical suggestions for people. Mm-hmm. I think foremost is to befriend Jews. Mm-hmm. Just befriend Jews. No conditions required. Befriend Jews. I, I'm not even saying witness to them. Let, let your life be a witness. The, uh, I'm certainly not arguing against answering questions and relating to them. That's good because I was very grateful for the Gentiles that, that loved me enough to, to, to share with me yeah. what I needed to know. Otherwise, I yeah. would have been as close as I'm not as saying be cowardly about your witness, yeah. but I do know that uh, there's a winsomeness of Jesus Christ in you if you're living him. Not living a theology, no argument against theology. Not living a theology, but living an incarnate reflection of the character the loveliness, the, the beauty of Jesus in your life. And, uh, and incidentally, he was a Jew, and he likes Jews a lot. <laughs> Amen. They will see that in you. They will see that, and they'll wonder what that is. And the whole strategy of communicating with Jews is uh, something that is not the, really the full topic at all, what we're talking about here. But 
uh, I do think that foremost to stand with Israel, and when you do that, the majority of Jews will just on those terms alone, since you're a Christian, be repentant before that. You need to be repentant because there's so many Jews still that do are persuaded that the uh, the Holocaust was the result of Christian conspiracy against them. And there's legitimate arguments historically because of the Christianness of the European nations that participated, notably the uh, Germany. At the, uh, at the minimum, the church was passive, so passive, quiet. Uh, got well, the United over, States but, became passive. Yeah. The, the, the whole world backed away and watched it happen, and it's for shame. So pray, build relationships, mm-hmm. uh, show the love of Jesus. Um, Make clear that you, as a Christian, do not represent uh, the Spirit at all. You, you would apologize for things that go back as far as the Inquisition and other anti-Semitic things throughout history, uh, notably, uh, and most dramatically of all history, of course, is the the Shoah, you know, the Holocaust. And that's just such a, a horrible piece. And, and the weirdness of the president of Iran and the, just denying these things, the impossibility of credibly doing it. Thankfully, the press does not give him the credibility that uh, it seemed he almost was about to get at one mm-hmm. point, or at least people saying, well, we must be objective. You can't be objective with uh, going to the Holocaust genocide, yeah. Memorial where there's so much verification of this historically. Uh, anyway, to let it be known that you feel a heart, uh, a sense of apology as a Gentile for any part Gentiles show that have had historically. All of us uh, come from a heritage as uh, Gentiles, just not even as Christians. Because, but that plays into it, too. That's all the worst. Mm-hmm. One just Gentiles. It was Christian believers. Mm-hmm. And uh, to show the care for them, the concern for them, and that they're not accepted because they're a candidate for faith in the Messiah. I genuinely show that I care about them as people. Mm-hmm. Let the Holy Spirit use you. He's capable of drawing people to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, the frequency we hear so frequently today of people that it is not—it's the the witness of the believer has been caring for them, and then Jesus will come and deal with them. That's I've I've heard lots of stories of Jews who come because Jesus comes to them like Paul on the Damascus Road. Now I'm not saying we depend on that solely by any means, but the Lord's able to do this. But your point is that there's because of the history, one of the critical early first steps is to build relationships and to show the love of God, to show the love yes. of Jesus, not as a tactic, not even as a strategy, just the unconditional love that that is, yeah. you know, is, is, is apparent as what our job is in the scriptures, yeah. and not to back down of who we are or what we uh, want to engage them as we would anyone, Muslims, Buddhists, Hindus, but there's a, because God has a special love for Jews, and the church has had a special negligence yeah, in loving Jews, good work. all the more now would be the time to show a special mm-hmm. love and a, an attention to mm-hmm. and an affection for and identity with. Is that, is that a fair way to put it? Uh, let's incorporate in this to a direct word to pastors. Yeah. Uh, I would just say to any pastor participating in viewing this, uh, your and my leadership is just profound at this hour in terms of banding pastors together, praying through this issue, caring, thinking through this. And I want to say, Joel, as we uh, address this, in any community, a group of pastors can come together and indicate their care and support for Israel and reach out to the Jewish community and let them know they stand with them. 
I, I serve with a sizable group of pastors and uh, believers in other vocations in partnership here in the Los Angeles area in the, the Christian Israel Nexus and uh, partner with the present uh, Consul General, uh, that's uh, Jacob Diane, uh, in a, a committee of those who work to see that these kind of mutual participative events take place between uh, Jewish members of the Jewish community leaders and uh, Christian leaders. And uh, those are things that I think, it's amazing to me, the warmth of reception that you find when they don't feel you're coming with an agenda. They know your convictions are real. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I, at the same time, say, I participate in that entirely at the same time that I am, I am known to be a supporter of the Messianic Jewish community. Mm-hmm. But uh, I believe the Holy Spirit takes place to drawing people to Jesus. And I can simply reach to people and love them as they are and then let the Lord do what he will do. Mm-hmm. That is not forsaking the call as a witness. But a witness is a lifestyle as well as a message. And of course, there's a classic, I forget which one of the fathers it was. I think it's St. Francis who said uh, that always witness for Christ, and if necessary, use words. Uh, It's an interesting uh, proposition, but it's saying that our our witness is winsome because Christ is in it. The Jewish world has a hard time hearing words if it doesn't see a a life of of, of unconditional love. Jews look for a sign. (laughs) We do. (laughs) It's not just miracles. So that's your heart uh, in terms of... um, your encouragement to pastors uh, in terms of building relationships with the Jewish community, with Israel. What will be your, your encouragement in terms of uh, the pro-Israel community within the Christian world to build relationships in terms of the Arab world, the Palestinians, and others? You know, the, the, God so loved the world. I, I forget. That's, I read that in a book someplace. <laughs> God so loved the world. The, the Lord's heart for humanity, I, we cannot fathom it. It is not just a kind of a generic posture of God, saying, wow, I love everybody. He is consumed by his love for all humanity. His covenant with the Arab peoples through through Abraham and Ishmael, that he would bless mm-hmm. Ishmael, that that is, is something of a disposition of God's commitment as well, notwithstanding the strife that exists uh, in any way you want to face it, whether you, your personal, someone's personal irritation towards somebody that's uh, Arab or Muslim, uh, it would be, it's, it's not legitimized any more than unforgiveness is ever legitimized for a believer. Mm-hmm. Unforgiveness is not just a matter of saying, you did something to me and I don't like you, or uh, and I'm, I, I'm mad at you, or I'm hurt by you. Unforgiveness is also an attitude that disallows people that are different from you. And uh, by you, they're outside your favor because of their difference. No matter how antagonistic you take the historically, the martyrs were forgiving the people just as Jesus did from the cross in a spirit of love, not in a martyr-like spirit. Oh, well, I guess I just need to say, you know, forgive them is some noble statement. It was an aching for broken people. Now, uh, I, I know I know so many different people in the Arab environment that it's very easy to feel affection for them because of people that I know, and some not believers. The commitment to people on the basis of a command and on the basis of a covenant that God made uh, through Abraham that he would bless Ishmael's seed. 
uh, those things need to be understood and we're accountable to them. So, uh, and we need to take whatever steps in that. The same way we reach to people, if it's people that are in Tonga, <laughs> you know, reaching to Thai, the Thai people, reaching, you name any nation, any group, the, the, the enormous population of Arabs in the world, and then with Arabs, Muslims who are not all Arabs, uh, reach uh, to the, the world. That requires uh, initiative on our part, and, and it begins with just showing friendship and yeah. kindness. Um, let me close this conversation, and I really appreciate uh, you walking through with your years of experience. You got to see things that uh, you know uh, many of us didn't. Uh, you, you were here before the prophecies came true, and it's really an amazing thing. Yeah. Pick up on a point we talked about earlier. What if America continues on this trajectory of turning away from Israel or even becoming overtly hostile in some way mm-hmm. to Israel? You mentioned that scripturally all nations are eventually going to turn away. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know that from Ezekiel. We know that from Revelation and others, Ze- Zechariah. So that means us too at some point. But mm-hmm. what happens? Uh, what is your concerns for America in context of the other troubles we're facing economically and spiritually yeah. if we keep moving in this direction in the near term? Well, you know, you set yourself on a head-on collision course with Almighty God. That's all there is to it. It has nothing to do with global politics. It has to do with the revelation of God, His Word, His will. So you could say it's just the ultimate expression of rebellion, in a sense, political terms, because we're speaking of nations. But it, it transcends politics. It's a spiritual issue. God's covenants are, are not subject to alteration in debate in the United Nations or argument over the back fence. This is a, an enormous, enormous finality on his part. The issue of uh, concern about these last times, having lived through a great deal of these things, and I was amused, by the way, forgive me, uh, when you said uh, that I uh, lived before many, before many of these prophecies had been fulfilled, and that's true. Uh, by reason of my age 78 status today, and the things I've been privileged to observe that bring us into this last era of human history. Uh, I did want to point out to any viewers, because I don't know how old I may look to them, that I did not precede the birth of Christ. Yeah, yeah, yeah so... Uh, None of the first wave of Messianic prophecies. Those were already fulfilled. <laughs> There's a few more to be fulfilled as, for the second coming, but... As we uh, live in this time, prayer for our nation is so... so it, it is a desperation point now. Uh, again, this year, whenever people see this, I'm voicing this in late 2012. Any believer who does not seize the day as intercessors, recognizing that intercessory prayer is intervening. Intercession means to stand in the presence of God in behalf of people who either cannot or will not. To stand in the presence of God. Jesus is, by Isaiah 53, the end of the chapter, is called, he's the consummate intercessor who stood before God when we neither could nor would have, except for him. An intercessor stands in the presence of God in behalf of a people or a politic or a nation who cannot or will not and prays and intervenes. And just as the intercession of Christ brings redemption and there are people, things change. may not change everything or everybody, but it changes things. It will, the flow of things in our nation. We may, with all of our discussion of prophecy, discover that there's another century going to happen. I, that's very difficult to conceive of. But uh, 
You know, Paul expected the Lord to come in his lifetime. So anybody that says that, I'll side with them. You know, I can imagine that. Maybe not in my lifetime because I'm crowding 80 now. And I don't know how many more years I have. I'm in good health, thank the Lord. But we live in a, in a time that it's, we, we, we need to not just say, well, our country's gone down the drain, and so we'll just kind of opt for the rapture. That's an unscriptural view to begin with. You know, we're called to, to contend, to stand, do business till I come. Yeah. Jesus said, do business till I come. And uh, so until he comes, we, his business is intercessory prayer and standing as a witness and reaching with the love of God to our society, including Arabs and Jews. Do you think, therefore, that America could collapse, implode, mm-hmm. you know, skid off the tracks, however, you know, whatever metaphor you want to use, if we, if we, if we break with Israel? It, it will. It will if we don't pray. That will happen. And uh, how close we've come of recent uh, date is very unnerving, very unnerving. The spirit of deception in our land is increasing all the time. The disposition toward, uh, quite beside the, the deteriorative things in, in morality and the things uh, that deteriorate and just general values at large, the value for human life. You, you take your pick. Those things are pathetic enough. But the loss of any perspective of the fear of God and of the honor of, of the things that proceed from him, which include, of course, Israel and the word of God. We're, we're on a downhill slide. I will not, because I'm an intercessor, I will not concede that it's over. Mm-hmm. But it is if the people of God do not rise in faith. I am for whatever political action you can take. We're people who live in a free society. That's a part of our stewardship. Live out the stewardship of your life as a citizen by taking whatever your convictions. I'm not, God is neither Republican or Democrat, but neither is he an American. Uh, <laughs> you know, our call transcends those things. It is not oblivious to them or irresponsible in the face of them. But uh, uh, brothers and sisters, pastors especially, lead your people to pray. We're, we're about making a difference positively, not assessing prophecies and deciding uh, how quick can we opt out of here, you know, by making the right choice for Christ. But how, how much can we be until he comes? Well, Pastor Jack Hayford, I appreciate uh, your perspective. And I, I think it's interesting that I just think back a few years ago, I wrote a book uh, talking about Israel being at the epicenter. And, and I, I, I indicated scripturally there's going to come a point where all nations will turn mm-hmm. away from Israel, including the United States. And people were like, you know, they, they, it was hard to picture. I think it's less hard yeah. to, to picture that path. I, I pray it doesn't happen soon, yeah, but we're scary. at a moment where we're just thinking, wow, just the events of the last few months. So but thank you for taking this time. Thank you, Joel. And I hope that uh, people will listen carefully and uh, and take to, uh, especially younger pastors and younger ministry leaders will take to heart these things and, and live them and, and, and teach them to others. That's that's the critical transmission of truth. You know? well, well, thank you. And I, I don't want this to come through as gratuitous uh, or in some way just be, you know, generous for the sake of generosity. I'm very grateful for your voice. It's been a fairly fresh voice on the, uh, in the arena that uh, God has gifted you to address and it's a privilege to participate with you and with other brothers that are involved in this series of discussions. And uh, I pray that God bless you and bring the, to every, the, everyone that hears what we're saying uh, that this, we are the people of God foremost, by no means a credit to us but an accountable role in his name. 
I'm sure you've gathered a lot from watching this episode with Pastor Jack Hayford, highlighting the importance of praying for Israel, blessing Israel, building relationships, showing the love of Jesus, and praying for America. If you found this podcast really valuable, please get in touch with us. Let us know who you are. Do you want to talk about something else on this show? Do you have a question you want Joel to answer? Go to joshuafund.com and click on Contact Us. Your feedback is very important as we develop this podcast. And as always, you can check out our show notes for anything you heard on this podcast you'd like more information on. For Joel Rosenberg and the Joshua Fund Ministry Team, I'm Carl Muller. Thanks again for listening to this episode of Inside the Episode with Joel Rosenberg. Jesus wants our fears to launch us toward faith. Then he grins and says, Do you trust me? Because together we can do this. With Mornings with Jesus, you can start your day in a positive way. Find hope through inspirational stories and scripture. Go to lifeaudio.com or search your favorite podcast app for Mornings with Jesus. You can also download the Abide app for biblical meditations at abide.com.